If you feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna. Welcome back to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out. And we have some unfinished business because the last live show, Annette made me. Oh, yes, I just made She you. did. I have a broken arm now from it. Yep, I'm vicious. <laughs> yeah. She made me read a story about Ferdinand the Bull when we first moved here. And so. And I'm going to make her finish it yeah, today. No unfinished business around here. All right. So, just a, a recap. A very short recap. We were living in the pole barns because we didn't have anywhere else to live when we moved out here in two fifth wheels. And we were getting ready for winter. And so we had to put hay bales on the ground around. And you can probably see my hand going around the building right here. Hay bales on the ground. Yeah. On the north side of the barn because it was cold. I mean, we're Idaho and we're at 4,200 altitude and it was cold. So the hay bales were on the north side of the barn to help keep some of the coldness out and to block that. So it was bull versus girls, all right? We had several... One guy. And guy, yep. And dog, pit bull. Yeah. And so we had several unsuccessful defense strategies. Several unsuccessful, all right? So then we realized that we were out in the dark chasing a bull around. And do we really know where the bull was? I mean, it's dark and we have no idea. I know where he was. He was bullfighting. He, we were bullfighting. But not yet, but he was bullfighting. <laughs> well, would keep, I mean, we're out in the dark. So we grew up in um, suburbia. So, yeah. So what would keep the bull from circling around behind us and keeping us from a safe retreat to the barn, right? So, I mean, besides that, here we were in the dark and cold night fighting a one ton, he's probably more than that, over a $2 hay bale. With a flashlight. With a flashlight and a dog. So we went to bed. Early the next morning, we went out to see what the loss was, and we lost a whooping $4 in hay. So, That's a lot. That was a lot. And at this point, it really wasn't a matter of finances. It was a matter of winning, but okay, it was really a matter of control. Right. Right. So we moved the hay bales. Pride. Pride? Yeah. Oh, I have never had a problem with pride. (laughs) No, we keep it in. (laughs) So we moved the hay bales inside the barn, the only thing was that uh, we forgot to close the barn door. <laughs> so wide open, wide, wide open. open. So while we were out fencing, Ferdinand was feasting on our hay bales. But we had Robert, and Robert was able to save the day, or is it the hay? <laughs> yeah, by closing the drive-through door. And Annette had a little experience at the end of the story last time about. Ferdinand running and after her always yeah but she um she got she escaped very well yeah yeah so this is the rest of the story later that day when we want to be fence people because remember Annette and I were out there by ourselves putting up a fence that I've never put a fence up before in my life let alone a barbed wire fence three or four strand I have no idea what it was reach um when, when we returned to the barn, not too far off was our friend. We felt there was a safe distance between us and Ferdinand, so we engaged in a one-way conversation. 
asking him how he liked not being able to eat the hay, informing he was not going to keep us up anymore. No more late night rendezvous. No more cutting our losses at $2 at a time. You know, all the intelligent words you would say to a bull standing a few feet from you. Doesn't everyone out here talk to bulls? Because we, you know, we'd been out there less than a month. Or has the altitude affected our cognition abilities? Slowly, the above. <laughs> slowly, Ferdinand approached us, snorting, huffing, moaning, and groaning. We took this as a sign that our conversation had ended, so we retreated to the pole barn. Shortly afterwards, Ferdinand literally, and I do mean literally, circled the barn multiple times, mooing, snorting, and body banging the barn walls and corners. Later that day, and for several days afterwards, Ferdinand returned to throw his temper tantrum, then his visits stopped. About now, you might just be wondering why we no longer had our unwanted visitor. Well, being Ferdinand, he realized that the new fencing arrangement provided him with additional grazing. However, you could say he got the last laugh because he strategically, and I mean it, he did this intentionally. He was an intelligent bull. Placed hefty piles right in the middle of our driveway. The only consolation we have is that the bull and his woman friends will be sent to another home by mid-October. Just a few more weeks and a lot more deposits. We'll probably miss Ferdinand this winter. When spring arrives and he returns, he can have all the unused hay from the pole barn that his little heart desires. And you know the snorting and the huffing? Yeah. That was him laughing at us. I know. But So that was our wonderful story of Ferdinand and our experience of city girls with the bull and hay bales. Yeah. Never want to meet him again. He yeah. had red eyes, and he was always looking at me. And think he wanted to eat, chopping me. his lips or something like that. Uh-huh. He was licking Cud. too. <laughs> all right. Now, more important than all of that is that we have we have been so blessed to be allowed to come into Harold and Linda Gott's home this morning, and to have them share their life and their ministries with us. Um, they were pastors of. They were our pastors. Still are. Kind of. Yeah, they are. Because um, we still call him Pastor Harold. Well, he'll always be a pastor. He will. And especially ours because we ain't letting go. No, we aren't. Right? I think he has a broken leg because we hang on so tight. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen him limping lately. <laughs> <laughs> so we just want to introduce them and um, just kind of tell us how you two met. We met in high school. We went to McKinleyville High School in Northern California, so a little town of McKinleyville, north of Eureka, right on the California coast. And um, so high school sweethearts, um, very typical courtship. I found out, I don't remember how I found out, somehow I found out that Linda's mother liked fresh deer liver, (laughs) and it happened to be deer season, and I was raised in a logger's family, so I had access to the to the big woods. So I went out and harvested Bambi and brought home uh, the deer so that I could gift her mother with fresh deer liver. And then I also, uh, I was in FFA, Future Farmers mm-hmm. of America, and I had a poultry project and I had Rhode Island red hens. Brown eggs were real hard to buy retail um, in this 1960s. And so I got together a couple of dozen all double yoker brown eggs and took the offering to uh, Linda's mama of uh, b- fresh brown eggs and and fresh harvested deer liver. And uh, her mother liked me for every day of the rest of her <laughs> life. And Linda has put up with me uh, 
since then. So that's how our courtship began. It was a courtship over deer liver and brown eggs. And uh, so, how you were born in Harold? You were born in Longview, Washington, um, and we lived in a little town by Longview, uh, Castle Rock, until the end of second grade, and then moved to the Eureka County, okay. Eureka Humboldt County, California area for my folks to start their logging business. Okay. So that was in 1961 that we moved to California, and so did the rest of my grade school and high school um, in in Northern California. So, Linda, where were you born? I was born in Kirkland, Washington, which is Seattle area. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad um, just was in the gambit of sawmilling, um, starting with learning how to build saws and then to file them. And that just took us on a journey where we wound up um, living in Roseburg, Oregon. And then and then we were actually, then we moved to McKinleyville the summer of 1963. And um, but we lived across the river from each other, um, the Columbia, and didn't know it as we got to visiting with each other back then. As kids, we lived across the Columbia from each other, but didn't meet till high school. Yes, so then I finished my schooling there, and um, yes, and God has just blessed it all the way. So, Linda, what did you think of his brown eggs and liver? Well. I think I thought liver was okay as long as there wasn't a lot of onions with it. But I, the funny thing was, I thought, my mother just fell in love with Harold Gott. And I, and I was kind of <laughs> keeping a distance. And my mother was so convinced, she finally said to me one day, Linda, you should give that boy a chance. <laughs> and so I did, and then God just brought us together in a beautiful way. Yes, and we've been married 46 years. So after high school in 1971, um, when I graduated, I left Northern California and moved to Boise to go to Boise Bible College. And then the following summer, 1972, as Linda mentioned, we were married and and made our residence in Boise. Both of us were students at the Bible College at that point. And um, then following a couple of years of Bible College education, I actually did not plan to be in pastoral ministry. It wasn't part of what I intended to do. And so um, we, uh, I moved into my grocery career, which is what my plans were with Smith's Food Kings. And uh, Linda stayed at school for another year or so, and we started our lives uh, moving on past that point. So lived in Boise for about five years, and then in 1976 moved to Pocatello, where I managed one of Smith's Food King's supermarkets. And um, stayed there for a year plus a little bit, and then uh, transitioned to a job with Safeway stores in Central Oregon and Bend. So that was kind of our development. And I guess the next chapter can be about what happened after that. But um, after all, you're the ones calling it. So you went to, both of you went to Boise Bible College. What was your study then? What was you? Mine was general Bible. Okay. And my hope at that point was I wanted to be a useful servant in the Lord's Church. I did not want to be in pastoral ministry. Okay. I was really sure I didn't want to be in pastoral ministry. Really, really really sure I didn't want to be in pastoral ministry. I knew I wasn't ever going to be in pastoral okay. ministry. I, I was carved in stone, not in pastoral ministry. Okay. Was and, it the uh, Ten Commandments stone? It was, it was stone. <laughs> so what do you think, Linda? What did you go for? What was your major? Well, I, I was there for general um, Bible study courses, and 
I was raised, um, I was raised in the church to where um, I, I hadn't really been taught. I had a good upbringing and all, but I didn't know a lot about the Bible. So I was the humorous spot in the middle of my freshman year to the other students because there was so much I didn't know. I remember one day. Um, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. You can finish And that. you can finish what, what you're about ready to say, okay? Keep that thought, and we'll be right back, and Linda can finish. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4 verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. Well, before Linda tells us what she was thinking and going to do and share, I want to put a pitch in. Remember, we've asked you for Christmas miracle stories. We want you to email those to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com, and we will be sharing those on our show on December 21st. So Christmas Miracles, email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. All right, Linda, you're on. What happened? Well, here's what I remember. My freshman year at Boise Bible College, just um, being so thankful, so blessed, just a, a, a girl who, you know, didn't know much that much about the Bible. I knew how much I loved the Lord. 
I just didn't know a lot about his words. So um, I um, just totally absorbed from great professors there and just working hard, as hard as I could, working full time at a dime store, but then taking full time courses, writing papers, learning how to be a better writer, reader of God's word and being the brunt of jokes from other people in the class because I didn't know that much and they caught on really quickly. And one day in class, the biggest laughter moment I think I got was when all of a sudden I said, I didn't know that Jesus didn't speak English. I just knew he spoke my language. And they just were so, it was so fun because they'd been raised in the church Mm -hmm. and knew these things. Mm -hmm. And so I came out of Boise Bible College just being closer to God and his people and knew how to teach children and was trying to get better at that. And just being a better, a stronger woman of God and just knowing how much I would love him all the days of my life. What did you think about what you said? That's pretty awesome that he didn't speak English, but he did speak your language. That's neat. You might use that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That is. Because he did. Mm-hmm. He didn't speak English, but he does speak your language. He speaks to all of us that mm-hmm. way, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. So then what happened? So in 1977, we decided to end our career with Smith's Food Kings and made the transition to Bend, Oregon to work for Safeway Stores and um, became engaged in a small um, independent Christian church. And uh, still, I was just going to get back on the career track. So I started in management training with a new corporation with the goal of serving in management with that company. However, there was one of the elders at the church that we were part of that had said to to us and specifically uh, in conversation with me repeatedly that uh, he, by the way, was really sure that God didn't want me managing grocery stores, that I was called to ministry. And he was praying about it very faithfully, kind of every day, and that, well, that's the way it is. And so um, slowly, over a period of years, that group of people, particularly that gentleman, Eccles McCaw, called us into ministry and ultimately we saw that really the Lord had us prepared for a different calling in life was ordained in January of 1984 absolutely not going into ministry (laughs) yes ordained into ministry in January of 1984 and um, we heard in the fall of 1984 that there was a small congregation of believers in Sisters Oregon town of Sisters that um, was without a pastor and um, that perhaps we would be interested in that position. That was within driving distance of where we lived and they had struggled uh, significantly. We're in a lot of trouble as a church, really pretty close to the edge and whether they were gonna be able to keep their doors open. And we happened to have a couple of two, uh, two or three really important uh, benefits that we could offer them. The first was we lived 25 miles away so we could commute, which made us available without moves and all the things associated with expense uh, regarding that. The second thing is that we had a job that we could supplement their ability to offer a salary because they didn't have much of an ability to offer a salary. And so one thing led to another. We candidated in the congregation. They ultimately called us and we began serving there in the fall of 1984. So that would have been like a vibe. Bivocational. It was very much so. I would go to work at four o'clock in the morning at Safeway and work four to one, and then run home, 
have a bite of lunch and get changed, drive out to sisters, minister, do the things that were associated with pastoral ministry, try to get home by 9 or 10 at night, sleep fast, get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to work at Safeway. So we're full-time at Safeway and then put as much time as the body would allow into serving in the church. And the first couple of years needed to be that way. Um, They had made some financial commitments that they hadn't been able to keep. And honestly, it come within one Sunday of closing uh, before we started. They had a note on their property that they hadn't paid any of the principal and were months behind on the interest. And... um, so the chairman of their board stood up on a Sunday morning. This was would have taken place a couple of months before we candidated and started there and said to them, to the congregation, if we don't have enough money in the offering plate today to pay the power bill, then this will be our last Sunday. And there happened to be a worship visitor that day, someone not from that community, not from that area, who um, said to the chairman of the board in the course of of that morning while this visitor was there. You know, I've been robbing the Lord for years. I think today's the day I get honest. Wow. And put in a check for several thousand dollars, which was enough to pay up a number of their back bills, uh, keep the doors open, pay the power bill, that sort of thing. So the church had come to within one Sunday of closing. And so we began our service there in that kind of, we were very bivocational. After about two years or two and a half years of that, um, the Lord's goodness had been great. We were able to pay off their debts so that the congregation became debt-free. We were able to, um, to fulfill some obligations to the city that had not been had not been kept, for instance, the church had signed an agreement with the city saying that they would pay for curbs and sidewalks, but hadn't done what they said they would do. Uh, so they had an integrity issue and a little mm-hmm. uh, not a good thing. Mm-hmm. We were able to do all the things we said we would do. And it was at a point that we could become full-time in our pastoral ministry. So we moved into that place, discontinued our being involved at Safeway, and started our ministry there. And we served in that congregation for about 14 and a half years. So Linda, what... Where were you in all of this? You were... Okay, so he was gone. Yeah, a lot. A lot. Where were you? Well, I was out there as much as I could be. I started um, my schedule. You know, we just started developing a schedule where I could be out there some. But a lot of my part was being a Christian homemaker, Mm -hmm. Um, raising Jennifer and Robert and raising, I did a lot of babysitting and I would um, teach a Bible study, a ladies Bible study in band, even put a child on a, you know, ride my bike to the church building and put a child in, you know, in a a kid's seat on the bike and get over there. Just being, trying to be busy in the Lord's work in the ways that God would want me to and being a Christian keeper of the home and just being there to support Harold in any way I could. And of course, in the, in, in week after week, getting more um, involved in the congregation. And then it started, yeah, the Lord just kept, just continued to build something beautiful. Okay. So how, how did that affect you guys' marriage? I mean, you were gone. Goodness. You know, in retrospect, I'm sure it was perfect. <laughs> I'm sure it was, too. Um, but at the time, it seemed occasionally a little bit demanding. Uh, uh-huh. You know, that it was uh, 
probably always look back and go, if I could do it all over again, there would be some things oh, yeah. I would do more wisely. Well, wouldn't we all? And make some decisions that were a little different. Um, I could also probably make the argument that given the state of the health of the congregation, they really, really needed the level of ministry investment that they received. It was over the top. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, it was a demand too high because we couldn't have possibly lived on the $600 a month, which was what they had that they could spend wow. on salaries. And so if we hadn't been able to supplement our mm-hmm. income, we, we couldn't have made it nope. work. Um, but the Lord provided, and yeah, it was hard, and it was emotionally demanding, and ministry is just not easy lots and lots of times. And particularly because sometimes congregations have kind of a dysfunctional background nature. And guess what? Um, That church, um, that congregation did. So there were some really, really serious problems in the background. They were hugely demanding. Mm -hmm. Um, But faithfulness is in some ways its own reward. And so um, that's what we did. We went and God gave us enough strength and gratefully our health held. And and, uh, we had a lot of, of, of... a lot of ministry places and events to be grateful for. I have a question. How different is it from managing a grocery store to managing a church? I'm really grateful I had the opportunity to work in the corporate world, Mm -hmm. in the world of work, because it gave me a perspective on ministry that uh, if I just came out of Bible college, maybe just did seminary, but never actually had been in the world of work, that you simply wouldn't have had. Plus, I worked for companies that that expected high levels of sound management. And so I picked up management techniques that were very important. They weren't really Mm -hmm. the ministry, but they certainly retrofit. They fit into ministry very, very well. And they prepared me for that kind of demanding work. The one thing I see in you guys is that you always give to others. I mean, you guys are always willing to lay down what's what's bothering you guys you know your stuff that that it hurts and stuff like that but you and you always stand up there with a smile on your face and give to others how do you do that when you guys have things laying on your shoulders so heavy and you ask him and we only have about a minute left yeah that, that's a huge question that is a and huge question I, you know what i'd hang on to is that um, strength for the day joy for the journey and you trust God day to day because if you looked at what a whole year was going to hold, you, you probably mm. would just go, can't go there, can't mm. get this done, can't do it, I'm out of here. And those would all be the wrong answers. The fact is, under, underneath of them, truthfully, you can't. Yeah. God gives us enough strength to make the journey and wisdom for the day that he talks about in James chapter 1, mm-hmm. that if we seek it believing that he'll guide us with the wisdom. I can't tell you, heaven ever opened and there was this huge voice that said to me, Harold, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. What I can say is that God fulfills his promise when we believe him for it. He mm-hmm. gives us wisdom to, fe- to, to meet the features of ministry that just aren't easily met. Um, that's, I guess, sort of the short and long of it. The actual, how did it happen? You know, you get up in the morning and do what God has in front of you to do. Mm-hmm. That's right. You do. And and that's that's what it, you get up in the morning and do what God has in front of you to do. And and you know, that's gonna that's gonna be enough. Mm-hmm. That that's enough. Just do what he has in front of the day of you to do in that day, and that will be enough. Mm-hmm. Before when we go to after break, we're going to talk to Carol <laughs> Linda and update you guys on um where they have been since Sisters Oregon. 
and how we have met them and how they have touched our lives and I'm sure the lives of a lot of people. So we'll, we will talk with you with them after break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abbadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. Welcome back as we have been talking to Linda and Harold Gott, our dearest blessed friends um, for eternity. That's kind of nice, isn't Mm -hmm. it? For eternity. Nobody can take this friendship away from us. No. All right, so we're going to go back to a little bit, back to Sisters Oregon. You guys are full-time in the church now. And what happened? About 10 years into our ministry, uh, we had reached a place where we felt that we were being led to make a transition to a different congregation to serve in another area and there were a lot of a lot of inputs that arrived to that decision and ultimately the door was open for us to candidate at a church in western colorado we had gone to that congregation to spend about a week with them came away with a feeling that that was a door that the lord had opened and we that we would be moving there and had an agreement with the elders and congregation to, in fact, to do that and begin serving in their pastoral ministry role. While we were there, Linda started feeling pretty poorly and uh, more so as the week progressed. The day that we got back home to Oregon from our visit in Western Colorado, we took Linda to a clinic, a walk-in clinic in Redmond, Oregon, where we doctored some and discovered there that she had a very serious lymphoma at that point, we didn't know if it was lymphoma or leukemia. What we knew, she had a very serious cancer. 
And I called the elders in Rangeley, Colorado to indicate to them that while I had given my word that we would come, we were not going to be able to keep our end of the bargain because cancer had intervened. And that began a very serious journey with cancer with Linda. She had Hodgkin's lymphoma, as it turned out. She had an atypical display of the disease, and it was uh, very, very serious. We fast-tracked her into chemotherapy uh, and uh, went through six rotations of the chemotherapy. Uh, and uh, at the end of that, the cancer reasserted itself. She relapsed. She was in as bad or worse shape than when we had taken her in initially at diagnosis. At that point, the only therapy that was remaining to us uh, was to move to high-dose radiation, full-body, uh, high-dose, full-body radiation, excuse me, high-dose chemotherapy and bone marrow transplant at Oregon Health Sciences University in Portland. And so we did that. They gave us about a 30% chance of one-year survival after the therapy. And uh, that was big medicine. It was a really, really big deal. A huge hospital, at least to small town people. It seemed like a huge hospital, 15 floors of medicine, mm. and a very, very intensive kind of setting. And, uh, you know, it was a big journey. It was. It was a big journey. Along the way, you have all kinds of experiences. One of the things that, that came to me was a day that I was looking out the window from Linda's room. We uh, we paid the extra to get the room with a view. And so some people saw Mount Hood and other people saw the Willamette River. And they would see the Cascade Mountains. And we got to see the dumpsters from our window for the hospital. And so I was taking in the, you know, hey, here's the scenery. I'm watching the dumpsters. And uh, it's just one of those moments you just, you know, just is really just kind of overwhelming, a little crazy. And here's one person who is dumping the day's garbage, the refuse from the hospital. And another person is removing the folks' bodies who didn't make it through the night. Mm. Same door, same process, same Mm. time. And it was one of those wake mm. up and accept the gift from God of life for what it is. And, uh, you know, just mm. one of those images that stuck with you. So mm-hmm. anyway, fast track. Linda made it through the process. She survived all of that medicine, which was no small statement. Right. We got her home and we began the process of learning to live a new kind of life. Uh, which is once you've had that diagnosis, it never goes away. It's always in the right. background there knowing that you've had that. The Lord really, really blessed us. And about a year and a half, not quite that long perhaps, after her bone marrow transplant, I got a phone call from a parachurch um, fellow that did um, consulting with congregations that were in pastoral searches. And he said, hey, we've got a church over in Grangeville, Idaho, that is looking for a pastor, and I think you might be a good fit. Would you be interested? Well, we weren't really sure we were ready to be moving at that point. We had tried the move thing, remember? Yeah. And um, and that door had been kind of closed. Kind of slammed. And so so we um, we went to see our oncologist in Bend, Oregon, and we had a real personal relationship with him because we had spent so much time with him. You just get personal. Right. So we went in to see Rob, the oncologist, and, and said, you know, so Rob, here's this deal in front of us. We're being asked to consider moving out of state to Idaho to another congregation. You know, you know, we've got a year and a half under our belt on this bone marrow transplant. We're still very connected to Oregon Health Sciences University and our doctors there. What do you think? He asked us some questions and then said to us, well, here's the thing, kids. So kids, here's the thing. One, I can get you a cancer doctor anywhere 
one of my best friends in life is a director at Mountain State's Tumor Institute in Boise. One phone call, I have you a doctor. Two, if, if you've won, and I think you have, mm. I think you've won. Mm. And if God opens the door, you ought to go. Mm. So, Was uh, he a Christian? You know that we would often have these conversations with him that at and uh, we would go in to see him and he'd say, so kids, this week you need to pray about. <laughs> so uh, he was, if he wasn't a Christian, he was a for sure one to be sure we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so uh, one thing led to another. In 1999, we candidated at Grangeville Christian Church and God did open the doors for us to come. So like our friend uh, Rob, the oncologist, had said, if God opens the door, you ought to go. And the truth is, cancer takes control of your life. Yes, it does. So it takes control of your money. It takes control of your calendar. Mm -hmm. It takes control of your your social settings. For instance, when we were doing Linda's chemotherapy, no restaurants. Mm -hmm. Pretty much had to quit going to church. Couldn't be take our daughter. Our youngest daughter was four and a half when we started this mm. journey. She started kindergarten. Linda could not go to her mm. kindergarten class because you know the the petri dish of yep. dogs called kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what Linda would do is she could come and watch in from the outside, look through the window, and mm. watch Miss Ellen in kindergarten. Cancer does all of those things. Mm-hmm. Our decision came down to if God opens the door. We're going to live until we die, and we're not going to die until we're dead. Mm-hmm. And so cancer could make the decisions. The wise, I suppose, prudent, uh, certainly practical answer would have been, don't move away from your doctor. But that would have been cancer making yep. our decision, not faith. Right. So we decided if God opened the door, we're going to go. And we came to Grangeville, and we've been here ever since. And they were such a tough group of people in that church that they were able to stand us for 19 and a half years. And at that point, we retired. So, so, Linda, what, what was it like to hear Dr. Rob say that you've won? That was huge to hear, you know, my oncologist, our oncologist say that. Um, yes, because we hadn't heard that from Portland yet. And it was really um, time would tell in, mm-hmm. in the medical world. Time would tell on that score for him. And so for him to say that was huge. And it was really just a moment that we will never forget. Oh, no lie. We are just always bonded with that special doctor, mm-hmm. our friend. Yes. Wasn't it frightening when you got the word that you had cancer? Oh, yes. Yes. Um, it was because I thought that I had a sinus infection and the first round of medicine had failed, it seemed. And so that's why when we got back from Colorado that, you know, I, wow, I just really don't feel good. We need to be seen. That was not at all what we thought we would yeah. hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was not at all. But, you know, the Lord immediately in the moment and immediately had us on the path for who to be placed with, Dr. Robert Boone, for medicine to unfold, not even knowing what I had, and God just put all the pieces together. That's awesome. So you guys came to Grangeville. That's an awesome thing. And that wasn't too painful, was it? Uh, you know, with a, with an adequate amount of counseling, you can survive. <laughs> So, no, it was it was a huge change for us. Of course, we've been in the church in, in Oregon for 14 and a half years, and they were our people. It was our home. Yep. 
I don't have any doubts from this shore, from the perspective of right now, that we were doing, when we moved here, we were doing exactly what God had opened the doors for. I do have one question. What about the day Myrna and I walked into your office? (laughs) Well, you know, there are all kinds of days in ministry. (laughs) (laughs) We told you God was going to get you for your bad parts, you know, bad times. And then he sent us into your office. (laughs) Well... You know, some gifts only just get bigger and better as the years go by, and our relationship with you all has been that kind of gift. It has been. So, so grateful for that. So we we came. And that was not a paid commercial. Yeah, it wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't. Really? uh, Let go of my hand. (laughs) You know, when you said we were attached to his leg, we were twisting his leg to make him him let us be in the part of the office there. (laughs) What this congregation needed was a pastor who would stay. Yeah. Honestly, they'd had revolving door pastoral ministries. Um, in a hundred years, they went through about 45, between 40 and 45 pastors. Good so you can know that they had a whole lot of really short ministries. And honestly, the congregation needed someone who would thick and thin yep. be with them for the long haul. And gratefully, the Lord opened the door for that to be the case with us. And we served about three times longer than the next longest serving ministry in 115 years. Wow. And, and that needed to happen. It, it needed to happen. We bought a house that needed to happen too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. We became part of the community. Yeah, yeah. And and then when you left us, we cried. Well, we haven't gone anywhere really. You're in our you retired room, range from, from Idaho, so I think we're still kind of here. Yeah. yeah, but you're not at the church no more. So what what led up to? Well, I know at one point, Annette, uh, Linda, your your cancer sir. Um, came back, not your lymphoma, but another type. Yes, um, about six years ago, um, I just went in for routine testing and a non-digital testing. So it was really God's hand in a um, radiation, an onco- or a, a, a radiation technician to see that I had a mass. And so, yes, I, I did get um, that second cancer, um, a breast cancer. And um, then the big issue was, what more medicine could I have? Because I just um, had had so much radiation and so right. much medicine. How That's could right. I really be treated? And so um, oncologists collaborated and I could um, receive more radiation surgery and then heal from that and receive 30 rounds of, of radiation. And um, God just blessed it all. And I keep getting retested. I'm still under oncology care. And God is God's just got his hands on me and on us. And last Monday was a checkup. Yes, I just had just a great checkup in Lewiston, Idaho, and um, just so grateful and thank the Lord deeply and his people for their prayers and support Mm -hmm. in every way. And you're so loved. When we come back, we're just going to wrap up what's happened, (laughs) if we can, in our last um, two years of their lives, basically the last six months. And we'll be back after break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. 
The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4 verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. Welcome back. We are talking to Linda and Harold Gott in their home, and we are so blessed to be here today. What we're going to do is, you know, we've talked about Linda's cancer and how it came back, and and um, God has blessed her with good health now. But there was a point of time where Linda became the caregiver, and that was a complete role reversal for them. So we're going to just kind of talk about that and let them share what they want to. Well, unexpectedly, about four years ago, at this time of year, Harold had been out wood cutting, splitting wood. And the Monday night before Thanksgiving, just totally out of the clear blue, that's when he said to me about 11 o'clock at night, I think I'm having a heart attack. So our wonderful um, EMTs here got here quickly, wanted to life flight him to Lewiston, to cardiology Lewiston. The weather was terrible. They got him there as quickly as they could. And from there, um, he spent time in the hospital. And then it was a recovery that we shared in together and it was my turn with honor Mm -hmm. to care for Harold in his hour of need after caring for me in such rough spots in my life and I thank the Lord that I could do that. And Harold didn't you think that you maybe you almost came to death on that one where you was life-lighted? What happened um, over the the flow of months afterwards is that I continued to have um, issues health-wise that appeared to be related to my heart. 
Um, and that ultimately led to the decision to place a pacemaker, a cardiac pacemaker, and so, which apparently is a relatively routine transaction, you know, that, that gets done thousands of times in America, and a very small number of them develop difficulties, um, and I happen to be one of the small number that did. In the course of placing the pacemaker leads, my heart wall was punctured. Yeah. Result was I had what's called cardiac tamponade, and um, came really, really close to dying out of that one. Um, honestly, when I was in the heart cath lab um, after um, this had, had happened, a nurse was leaning over to me saying, Harold, uh, this is going to be really painful. It's going to hurt really bad, but you don't have enough time to have an anesthesiologist come in. And so um, here comes the doctor, and I think that we ought to stop and pray. And she starts going, Our Father who art in heaven, mm. hallowed be thy name. And uh, the doctor mm. comes in. And he says, okay, and everybody in the team is, is getting ready to do their stuff. Um, and the nurse had been very accurate in her description. Actually, it hurt a lot, uh, but it only hurt for a little bit because once the doctor was able to get the drain placed in my heart and began draining the fluid out of the, the, the sac around my heart, immediately the pain uh, began to subside and the, the doctor was on his game that day and I just feel entirely God blessed by that and wherever that doctor is right now if God was to back the dump truck of blessing into his driveway and dump the whole load I'd be for it mm. that'd be really good so uh, that left us with a new set of medical questions about my health however because when I talked with the doctor who had placed the pacemaker asking when I might get better um, she said, well, I need to advise you that actually you may not. This may never actually rectify. So then it was a period of waiting to see how much life impact I was going to have going out of that. So it's been a pretty bumpy journey. Um, gallbladder went south, lots of health issues, and still some bumps. But God's good, and every day is a gift. And give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. forever. He's been very faithful. Kind of concurrently with this journey, Linda's mother uh, began to develop increasing health issues related to developing uh, Parkinson's disease. And we made the journey with Linda's dear mama as she came to the end of her life, which gratefully the Lord opened our door to be present there and mm -hmm. part of the family's journey of farewell with dear mm -hmm. Arlene and to be able to lead in, in the time of memory of her service. I was able to do her, her service and graveside and in, in, in services. And concurrently with that, both of my parents were diagnosed with cancers and began serious journeys in, in the treatment um, of those cancers. Ultimately, um, both of my parents uh, reached a place where it was clear their health um, in this side of heaven was never going to really get better. And we most recently shared the journey of my father's death and then at the end of July, just passed and then 17 days later my mother's death and so in the course of that we were, were god bless we retired on june the 24th was our last sunday started driving on the 25th made the 800 mile drive to northern california got there tuesday afternoon the 26th both of my parents were in the hospital went to the hospital started the journey of caregiving and shortly thereafter a few weeks thereafter my father passed away um, after a sort of long and difficult journey with prostate cancer and then 17 days later, mom died. 
I was able, uh, God blessed, not easy, God blessed, not easy to do both of their funerals and to care for them at the end of their lives. And we think the Lord truly opened the door for us to share not only in Linda's mama's passing and to be there to share those last days of life and to provide care, but also in my parents' instance. And we were really, really blessed in that. We've been in California. We were there for about four and a half months, and now we are finally back home again, taking care of things related to mom and dad's affairs at the end of their lives. But, you know, what I want to do is testify to the goodness of God in a really complex journey. It -hmm. doesn't mean that the images were easy. They weren't. And it doesn't mean that it was always easy to provide care. It wasn't. And the setting was sometimes very complex emotionally and sometimes just plain hard. Um, With the help of hospice, we were able to keep dad at home and provide the kind of care that he needed to make the last days of his journey ones in which the Lord painted pictures of goodness, portraits of goodness for us along the way. And to be able to care for my mother um, as she reached the end of her days and to be with her as her life ended was also a gift from God. And all of this, all of it, every part of it, whether in Bend with Linda's mom or with my parents, all of it was colored in the colors of hope. Because at the end of the day, it's Jesus that has the last word. That's right. It isn't death that speaks with the most power. In spite of the power that death speaks with, it doesn't have the most power. The last word and the most Mm -hmm. powerful word is the word that Jesus offers in my father's house, in my father's Mm -hmm. house are many mansions. That's right. And that's what we would cling to in that journey. Mm-hmm. God never mm-hmm. wastes anything. He's doing things in our hearts and lives as a result of all of that's this right. that he will use for benefit and blessing in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. And I hang on to that mm-hmm. and believe mm-hmm. that earnestly. To you, thank you for letting us be a part of no your problem. program. Miss Linda probably wants the last word. I do. I think Miss Linda should have the last <laughs> word. <laughs> well, thank you for having us on your show. We're just so blessed by the Lord to be with you any day, every day, and to share in this last hour with you. What would you say, Linda, to people that have went through what you guys have went through in the last few years? What would you say to them? Stay really close to Jesus Mm -hmm. um, in prayer, in his word, in fellowship, and realize, I remember realizing at one point, excuse me, that Lord, I may be in the garden with you sooner than I thought. That would be good. Mm-hmm. God's plan has been, yes, yeah, we're going to be in the garden with him, but we're, yes, it's going to be in his timing, and I'm That's grateful right. to be here with all of you, okay. and I thank him. All right. Don't forget, Christmas Miracles, December 21st, email them to abadaddyhouse 7 at gmail.com and we will talk with you guys next Friday awesome have a good weekend thank you for being here this week be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel enjoy the upcoming weekend